and in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars these are words from on high reflecting the events of a point in time and the end times today and Friday Dr. Wilbur Williams will provide insight into current events and the last days Dr. Williams teaches the Old Testament in the Division of Religion and Philosophy and has, had made, has made more than 100 trips to the Middle East. He has been a diligent student of the Islamic faith and brings much expertise to this forum today. Would you join me in welcoming Dr. Wilbur Williams? Thank you. Thank you, Mike. That is the biggest act of faith I've seen in days. I haven't said anything and I get applause. Uh, special. It's a delight to be with you and uh, what I want to try to do today and Friday is to clarify for you end times according to scripture because from my vantage point when I was at the end of my freshman year I had heard so many sermons on the end times I thought the Lord was going to come soon and I remember speaking to a friend who was a minister and I said to him, I think I'm going to drop out of college. Why, young man? Yes. Well, I won't have a chance to finish college and I'd like to do a little bit of ministry or teaching before he comes. He said, don't, young man. We aren't sure the Lord is going to come that soon. I want to try to set a balance. I want to try to put Islam in its proper perspective. I want to try to explain to you why September 11th took place and what, in my opinion, will occur in the future. I am writing a book. Actually, I started it uh, 1987, and I put it back on the shelf, believing that is we were in an interlude after the fall of communism. And of course, because of these events, I began thinking about it again, and uh, I hope, I don't know when I'm gonna have it finished, but in any case, I want to uh, try to give you what I am working on. And it's a kind of an overall view of the Old Testament. It is a step back view. So often when we hear sermons or chapels or whatever, people will take a verse of scripture and they will enlarge upon it. That's fine, but of course, because of my discipline, I have to try to look at the Bible as a whole. And I'm hoping to title it, God's Grand Design, showing what God had planned, and Satan's Counter Plan. God acts, Satan reacts. The first incident in the Bible is not in Genesis, in the creation. It is found in Revelation chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. I read for you. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with a dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. You see, that happened before creation. I've often wondered why God didn't end him there. Okay, you've, you've tried to take over heaven. That's the end for you. The reason, I think, is because 
God wanted an option to himself. And he wanted the cream to rise to the top. Those who would choose him over those who were pre-programmed to do nothing but accept him. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want marionettes that he works with a string, because if it was, this would be about like chapel today. Hello there, how are you today? He would prefer us to choose him. I have to tell you, I don't even know if my wife's in this congregation, but I may get it afterwards. But when we were here, we were dating, and I'm in the middle of the senior year, she is too, and I'm thinking this is moving towards marriage, and I'm thinking that I'm the only one. And then through the grapevine, I found out I was one of five. And I, who are they? I was given the names, and yeah, tall, blonde-headed, smart, a mathematician, a musician. And I called her up, and I said, you know, I really appreciate having gone with you, but I said, I'm out of the contest. I'm not sure I'm going to win, so I'm going to back out. And she said, I want to talk to you. And I won her over the taller, the handsomer, the, the rest. Now I know she loves me because she had four other options. Would I know she loved me if she had no other option? If she was pre-programmed to marry me? No, it means so much more. And you see, God wanted that because he wanted people to choose him and they were the ones that rise to the top. I tried to think like the devil thinks. <laughs> Not as hard as you think. And I wrote this poem, which helps you to understand, I think, why Satan is mad at God and wants to use you to get him. Live for today, not for tomorrow. It's all so full of grief and sorrow. Think here, think now. Live up today and learn to do just what I say. Feel free to eat, to drink, to play. Be merry now, enjoy the day. Don't hesitate to take a chance. There's lots to gain from happenstance. Experiment a bit with sin, have fun, do it all again. The apple's there, just take some bites. Your eyes will open to the sights. God seeks to keep in ignorance all those who choose with him to dance. They miss a lot who follow him. His road to me oh, seems dreadfully grim. The narrow way is where he goes, and few there are, the whole world knows. My way is wide and broad my gate. Just come along and take my bait. I've lots of mirrors to warp the truth, but I'm really crafty, not uncouth. I flash the sign of happiness, then give the gift of emptiness. I tease with hope of stimulation, then make it all a fabrication. I really like to intoxicate, much easier than to manipulate. I'll ruin all by inch or mile. I will affirm that is my style. I want all to walk my aisle. I'm mad at God and full of bile. I will admit I have a plan to interdict all that I can to keep them from obeying God. I want my kingdom on this side. I was hoping we could have a big diagram that I could show you today, technical difficulties. Hopefully we'll have it by Friday. 
But the fall happened. If you can think of this as the highest spot, and the fall is way back there at the lowest spot. When the fall happened, mankind through, humankind through Adam fell as far as you could go. And now God wants to bring humanity back. And did it by revelation in the Old Testament, 39 books. I wondered sometimes why it was that at the close of Genesis, there is a half a millennium, maybe 700 years before Exodus is given. Why? Why the wait? God has to use struggle, reversals, difficulties to bring the best out of people. You are identified more by the struggles you've had and overcome than by the 10,000 you've avoided. We don't like them, but they are our growing points. And God had to wait to inspire another book until truth had been assimilated enough. Now I can give a new one. And it, it had to take about, if, if we understand the dates, about 150 years of struggle of slavery in Egypt. They never would have gotten out of Egypt if it hadn't been for slavery. So the devil was working with God, not willingly, but he wasn't sharp enough to understand that God is saying, I, I want them to go up and over. I like one line of Shakespeare. Sweet are the uses of adversity, which like a toad, ugly, Venomous swears yet a precious jewel in his head. Again, I say you are more defined by every struggle you've had and overcome than all of those you've avoided. You who've been in Biblit or Old Testament with me know that I make it, I help God out making it as hard as I can to pass my tests. It isn't the easy road that defines you. So now, We've got things somewhat on track and very quickly because the descendants of Seth intermarried with the descendants of Cain and caused giants of evil to come. And there is a scripture that says every thought of every person was evil continually. There wasn't one redeeming thought in any person's mind and God says, I gotta end it. And the flood came and Noah was saved. Now he has to wait for society to climb again and he picks a man who was raised in idolatry prayed to Nanar the god of the moon and thought he was God because his father Terah Abraham Joshua tells us lived beyond the Euphrates worshiped idols that means Abraham was told worship idols pray to idols how he knew God spoke I don't know but he did and recognized it and he was so mired in a culture that is blessed by paganism with multiple wives, with primogeniture. The oldest is the most important. And God didn't, could have, but didn't change any of that because God never creates culture. People do. And God's way is to change people so people will change culture. And sometimes it's laboriously slow seeing through the errors. And so if 
if you will allow this, I think Abraham was a kindergartner in faith. And so God has to wait until the truth is assimilated from the, from, from the patriarchal period. You close with Genesis. And now he has to wait for them to be in struggle to begin to give more truth. And so they had to assimilate all they knew. We know that they had some laws. They weren't written. But when, they, when Moses gave the commandment, remember the Sabbath day meant, oh, yeah, that back there, we were to remember it. And so the laws are given if you will, for sake of illustration, Moses was a high school graduate. God would love to have given to Abraham what he gave to Moses, but Abraham wasn't at that level to receive it. Great victories, the exodus, conquest of the land. Now we go through the judges period, and if, if you can imagine, here's what it was like, see? From the flood, now we come back to Abraham, and now this is the way it goes. And there are peaks, there are five of them that kind of lead up. And then there is a decline until they end worse than they began. And the judge's period is just going down. Time you get to Samson, he has a personal vendetta against Philistines. Of course, they're enemies, but he has a personal vendetta. And he's got some weaknesses that shows the decline of the period. And then if you read the last three chapters of the book of Judges, it is a gruesome tale, the sex crime of Gibeah. And the whole reason it's done is to show how bad things get when people lose their faith and when they listen to Satan until finally a man literally cuts his wife apart into 12 pieces and calls United Parcel and said, hey, I want you to send a piece of my wife to each of the 12 tribes. It's a Williams translation. And it was so bad, it took that to shock people back to the truth with an, an idea, the, tw the, the 12 tribes. Look what has happened to us. Because we so often lose our bearings by this miscegenation, this dilution of faith. We never say faith or unfaith. We say, why not this and? It's not this or, this and. It's interesting, the first commandment says, you shall not have any other God in addition to me, not but me, that sense of one or the other because always our desire is to marry something of our own interpretation. It's okay. God's liberal. He will accept that. And what I am working on is one verse in Galatians 4.4. 4. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. God never looks at calendars. And if people would have realized this. I think Hal Lindsey would never have written his book, Late Great, Great Planet Earth, if he had realized God doesn't look at calendars and dates. He looks at condition of the world, condition of people in it. And so he looks for criteria that I can't fully understand. He sees the whole world. He has to have a remnant who are of faith and who are growing to be the leavening effect for the rest of the world. And so I don't know what his criteria are, but they're there. And he wanted there to be this growth, <clears throat> which happened all through the period of the monarchy. And they would have these mountain peaks of great kings like Hezekiah, and then his son Manasseh plunged them back into evil. And Ahaz, before Hezekiah, plunged things into evil before Hezekiah could bring it up. So it was this zigzagged way until finally, 
The exile makes them realize that they're going the wrong way again. And through Ezra and Nehemiah, they, a remnant was brought back to the point where I've given enough, God said. Nothing after Malachi. They've got all of the truth they need. I've got to sit here and wait until they realize all of the struggles are going through, that they have drifted from me and their struggles are a direct result or indirect result of their leaving me. And when that was done, by God's measurement, he sent his son. So now we can have the next stage of growth and began the New Testament. And now he brings not a high school graduate, not a kindergartner, but a Ph.D. in faith, which built upon all of the Old Testament and upon the teachings of Jesus and the Apostle Paul was the great theologian that brought us to the point where God says now they've got the truth, all of the truth, and concluded it with revelation. Now, throughout time, Satan has worked on two levels. One up here, the level of the whole world as a whole, the nations of the world, and a personal level on each of you. And so he has that double, double approach, and he works them both at the same time. It was his design from the time he was out of heaven, I think he may have known, God from creation planned Jesus to come. And he wanted to take over because he's called the shining one and Jesus is called the shining one. He wanted to take Jesus' place. That's the design. And he was thrown out of heaven. And as a result now, I've got to keep him from coming. And God spoke to Satan in the snake. I don't know why he embodied a snake. He could have embodied a poodle. I assume they had them. Well, I say that because we had a poodle. I never had a word between, I mean, he couldn't answer me, but he could talk to me. I knew when he went to the door and wagged his tail, he's saying, you better open that door so I can find a fire plug or I'm going to let go in here. I, I understood him. <laughs> but there's a propensity in antiquity to worship snakes. We don't find it in the Bible, but it's there in archaeology. We find it every worship center. There are snakes somewhere in clay and metal. And he got them to fall, and God said to him, your seed will bruise her seed on the heel, but her seed will crush you on the head. There's a veiled inference to the cross. You'll give a crippling blow, but ultimately her seed. And this is the only place in the Old Testament where it has an affirmative in Hebrew, it's seed her. And you don't have, a woman doesn't have a seed in biblical parlance. But one does. One did. And that was Jesus. And so her seed will crush you on the head. Well, that failed to fall. And all the way through the Old Testament, he decided, I'm going to use nations. And he used Assyria when it got big enough to take over. He used in its demise... Babylonia, And if you look at a map, they took up where Assyria left off and enlarged the territory. Then it was Persia, 
which took up where uh, Babylonia left off, and they enlarged the territory to 127 provinces, even including India. And in the demise of the Persian Empire, it was Alexander the Great who came so swiftly from the West and enlarged the Persian Empire into the Greek. And when the Romans came in the demise of Greece in 63 B.C., they enlarged, went all the way to England, all of Europe, and so on. Satan is winning. I'm getting the world. You see, if God, watching, realized that Satan is going to tempt Jesus with the nations of the world, that's an empty temptation if he didn't have them. If you'll fall down and worship me. No, no thanks. It didn't work. Jesus is born. Jesus can't be tempted. Okay, I'll get into one of the, I'll get one of the disciples. And he got into Judas's mind, I think using him on the basis of what Jews normally thought. Our Messiah will be a deliverer and we will drive out the Romans. And he thought if I can get him cornered in the Garden of Eden, I know where he is, I know where that cave is that they repair. You can even go to it today. And I will get him arrested with a temple guard and he'll come out fighting. That will begin his ministry. But when Jesus didn't react that way, he had to have known of the prophecies of Zechariah about the 30 pieces of silver and betraying him. And he realized, I've done it. And now he goes out and commits suicide. The devil didn't care about him, but he's got, now Jesus is going to get killed. But he didn't figure on the resurrection. Now what does he do? He tries his best to keep within Judaism this growing schism, schism, whatever you want to call it, of this Jewish faith. And, uh, for example, in uh, Cana, we have found two synagogues, one a Jewish Judaism synagogue, one a Jewish Christian synagogue. It was already beginning to split. He wanted to keep it in, though, and it didn't work. And then he decides martyrdom. That's what I'll do. And he got Stephen stoned and got one of the biggest supporters, Saul, standing there holding the garments while they stoned him. And I think he thought, I've won it now not realizing you step on Christianity, you spread it. You don't stamp it out. Now what does he do? All throughout the rest of church history, after the church is formed, in probably a dozen ways, I haven't defined them all, he tried to get the divinity of Jesus destroyed. By attacking him, he wasn't divine. He was just human. He was an apparition. He, there's, and you know, the church is divided today, if you will, between those who believe in the virgin birth and those who don't. And those who believe in the virgin birth are evangelical. Those who don't, it's kind of a social organization, and they're not growing. Because, you see, all of us have within us that kernel of sin that blossoms itself Islam says, no, we're all born good. And it is Christianity, Judaism, atheism, Hinduism, Confucianism that pulls people away from the faith. And now we've got to bring them back because there's only one God. And I'll show you on Friday, it's not the same God, though they may call him by an Arabic name. It's not the same God. Some conceive of it in such a way that it might be, but... We'll wait for Friday for that. But you see, the point is that um, 
if you can get Jesus destroyed. You see, let me look for you in, look, I read for you in 1 John. I don't teach the New Testament. Where's 1 John? <laughs> 1 John, chapter, chapter 5. Should have marked it. Every, no, chapter 4, 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. I didn't say 4, 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming now is already in the world. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him or her, and he in God. You see, that's the crux. That's the litmus test. Do you believe Jesus was the Son of God? And that's what Satan doesn't want to happen. If I can get a system that will avoid Jesus, like New Agers, like Mormons, like Jehovah's Witness, like Christian Science, then I will have those that will be on my side when push comes to shove. And so Satan has been working throughout the ages to stamp out the divinity of Jesus Christ. That's what we must hold on to at all cost. That's what makes people realize there is a chance for redemption for me. There is a goal. <laughs> That's on my test today, <laughs> which is being taken right now for one of my classes. There is a Goel, which is a redeemer who would redeem a person when they got so much in debt that they indentured themselves and couldn't free themselves, that they leased their land but couldn't buy it back. And a redeemer would come and pay off their debt, and the person to whom that debt was owed, owed could not refuse. And they bought off the debt that people couldn't pay. And Jesus became our redeemer because he bought the debt of sin that we could not recover, that we couldn't get rid of. Why did he do it? Well, you see, it's, it's so important for liberation to take place. I'm so impressed with the fact that God, when Moses asked him, what's your first name? I know Elohim, your last name is God, but, you know, there are a lot of those here with, a, with S on it. Elohim is anything. It's God's. And he said, my name yod Hey vav Hey, which is, we call it the Tetragrammaton, which is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And he fastened it to the verb of character, to be. And it is the most irregular verb in any language that conjugates verbs. I have asked for years, foreign students, if you conjugate a verb, what is the most irregular one? It'll always be the verb of character. Conjugate it, okay? I be, he be, you be. No. Oh, I be, you be, I, I be, I am, you am, he am. No. Oh, I am, you are, he are. No. And it is God's indelible mark that the most important verb in your vocabulary is one that typifies the thing you cannot earn. Character. You have to be given it by Jesus Christ who became Redeemer. So what is happening is that God's working on your level today, and it's basically this. Are you going to be your own coach? 
Are you going to let God be your coach? And if you're your own coach, there's somebody behind the bushes that is directing you. And I don't know of any kind of a sports team that ever wins if they decide I'm going to be my own coach. I'm going to call my own plays. I'm going to do my own thing. Those teams always lose because they got 11 or whatever the team is, five different ideas of what we should do, and they aren't listening to the coach. So my admonition to you is to listen to the coach. Now, you see, what happened after the conclusion of controlling the world, Satan decides, I've got to get into the church. That failed. Now he tries to do something that transcended national borders that would go beyond dominions and kingdoms, even in groups. And he began to use ideology. And to bring it down to a hundred or so years ago, he used Fasism. And then that merged with Nazism. And then in the demise in World War II of Nazism, there was a reprieve for a time. And there grew up this tremendous monster out of Russia that is called communism, which is a totalitarian system of government, which, by the way, the Antichrist must have or he cannot come. That Antichrist spirit John talked about has to be in the world, has to grow, grow, grow. And it's not growing, surprisingly. Well, there are, I think it's, uh, well, I, I forget the number, but three-fourths of the nations of the world are in democracies, and they have grown dramatically after the fall of communism. Totalitarian governments, basically Islamic governments, are shrinking. It's not growing. And that's a reversal of what has to be before end times. You've got to have a totalitarian system. Someone said to me recently, you know, the euro is in Europe now. That's the beginning of the dominance. Well, the Lord can use the euro, and it's being used by free countries. That doesn't mean. There are so many strange things that happen. I was speaking at a church once, and a lady came up to me and pulled out of her purse a card. I don't know whether it was a, a social security. It wasn't a social security card, but it was some kind of government card. And she says, look at this. And the first three numbers were 666. What do you think of that? I said, well, let me see it. Oh, 666 comes just after 664 and just before 667. You've got to have a 666 as long as you're counting. I'll tell you Friday what I think the 666 may mean, the numbers of his name. Well, so God is using ideology now. And we've had for 50 years a reprieve from communism or from the time it uh, took over until its demise in 1991, 90. And now we're seeing the rise of Islam. Are there some good people in Islam? Yes, there are. But it does lend itself, if not demand, that even all of the six pillars, not just five, I'll explain that Friday, must be adhered to. And the sixth one is jihad. Does that mean struggle? Does that mean war? Osama bin Laden said it means war. And all of those camps and the Muslim Brotherhood that I'll explain later 
is all over Egypt and the Hamas in Palestine. It's that fundamentalist growing segment of Islam that is welding together the cleavage that occurred in 532, sorry, 562 B.C. when Muhammad died. There's a cleavage between the Sunnis and the Shiites. And the Shiites are the more fundamental, but all of this fundamentalism is not coming out of Shiites, it's coming out of Sunnis. And that's beginning to weld together that fissure where they hate each other worse than they hate the unbeliever. Well, um, for a good place to stop, I teach 11 o'clock class normally, so I'm going to just stop here and then I will pick it up on Friday. And if you would like a diagram that I would have used, I will have the Secretary of the Religion Department run off some. And that illustration of what I think is the whole Old Testament illustrating Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent his Son, which will recycle, and when the time is right, God will resend his Son. Now, let me close with this because I think this is important. Isn't it interesting that Jesus thought so much of marriage that he began his ministry at a wedding? He will conclude his ministry at a wedding, the married supper of the Lamb. God love you. Have a good day.